This is the Proud American Podcast, and I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones. You know, some folks take a little time to warm up to. Others bring you coffee at 4.30 in the morning to warm you up the first time they meet you. That's exactly how I met country and rock music star and an all-around proud American, Tim Montana. From his music to his viral social media post to his American Thread sporting clay shoot, everything Tim Montana does has a ton of energy, and he puts it all into entertaining his fans and supporting companies and causes he believes in. And with that, Tim, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me, man. You look like you needed coffee. You know, <laughs> who wouldn't? You know, I, this is how we met, so we might as well talk about it. But you're Mr. Interesting. There's a lot of things about you I want to talk about. But, you know, fast forward through some of the stuff we'll get to, and you do this American Threads event, and it's, like, really cool. So all your celebrity friends show up. We're in Nashville. You're shooting sporting clays, and you do it all to support the military. Um, why? Why put all that effort into into that kind of cause? Um, I just always wanted to get very hands-on and and help out and it's something that's been close to my heart since i was a kid i grew up in montana and i remember recruiters always coming to my house and i you know my mom would never sign any papers because i wanted to go when i was 17 and she always thanks god that she's like you got distracted with music school and you know i, I chose a different path but now i kind of look back and i'm like i still you know even though i didn't serve i feel like it's our uh, honor and our duty to serve those that served us and meeting guys like you and that have, you know, been on the battlefield and stuff, you know, I just, it's something that's very close to my heart. I'm very passionate about, and you can donate and help causes, but I'm like, what if I created my own thing and I could pick different causes, you know, to donate to, and it just became kind of took off and became a big thing. And with a lot of support from Fox and, and folks like you. Is that kind of your personality? Like, I know, I know a little bit about you. I've known you in real life for like a month. I followed you on social media for a really long time. We have some mutual friends and the guys over at Black Rifle, I think is, are some guys we know in common. And then at Fox, we know some folks in common, but is that your personality? Like rather than like just throwing money at it or like, you got to go do it yourself. Is that who you are? Yeah, I'm a pretty hyperactive person. Sometimes I bite out more than I can chew, but usually I, uh, usually works out, but I, I'm very hands-on. I want to do things. I'm, I'm kind of a guy that wants to do things my way. Like, Hey, here's what we do. You know, you give $5 a month for this. I'm like, no, 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 let's do something different. Bring a helicopter. Let's raise a lot of money, you know? So I've always <laughs> kind of done things my way, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, sometimes it works. And this is an example of how it works. You know, the backup, I said, we'll talk a little bit more about your background. Um, you really want to give people a chance to kind of hear your personality because you're just a great guy. You're fun to fun to be around and, and bring energy and all that. And I'll quit blowing smoke and just talk about you for a minute. Thank so you. you grew up in, I believe it's Butte, Montana, mm-hmm. and you say off the grid. And when I read your bio or go to your website, it literally says in there, grew up without electricity. Is that right? Is that true? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we went off the grid when I was like five and uh, it was lanterns, candles. I mean, there were certain some winters when the pipes would freeze and we didn't have water. So we'd have to go. I remember breaking ice in the creek at a very young age and getting buckets, five gallon buckets of water out, bringing it inside. Mom would boil it over the wood stove. And I have a lot more in common usually uh, with folks, grandparents than I do folks my age. Cause I grew up like that. And I didn't know any different at the time. I thought it was just everybody lived like that. And then I look back and I'm like, wow, we, <laughs> That was an interesting uh, lifestyle choice. What, what what made that choice? Was it religious or just 
Uh, yeah, my mom was super religious and I had a stepdad at the time that was kind of a uh, paranoid, you know, there was a lot of interesting things going on in Montana in the 1990s that someday I'll probably write a book about. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I learned more about weapons at a young age than I did about music. And I'm like, wow, that was a scary lifestyle. But, but my mom, you know, that, that person is gone from our lives and she still chooses to live that way. And she's 72 years old and still, you know, it's not lanterns, candles anymore, but there's no electricity. We have solar power. We have an outhouse, we have a generator. So, you know, it made it great for life on the road for me. Cause my coach that I tour in is like last night, I had to replace a sail switch on a propane heater because the heater went out. <laughs> the road. It's like most musicians or people wouldn't know anything about using propane gas and, and stuff like that on a heater. But I grew up dealing with that kind of stuff in Montana. So. No, I get it. I mean, like by no means did I grow up without electricity, but I did grow up poor and it's pretty close. And, uh, and so we had like kerosene heaters and a single wide trailer. So I'm sure I'll die of some lung disease at some point in my life. And I don't even smoke cigarettes, but, but I get it. You know, it's, it's, we'll call it humble beginnings. And I think what I love about it, and obviously that's a, that's a probably a positive and negative thing for you, but it, it definitely is a strength in your life now. But what I love is this irony or juxtaposition or just American thing where you go from a guy who doesn't have electricity to a guy who makes his living with an electric guitar. And like, how does that transformation happen? And do you see that irony or do you kind of not even think about it? Oh, I think about it all the time because it's, I always laugh, you know, I, of course I love playing acoustic guitar and campfire, but I joke, I'm like, man, I spent, you know, most of my life without electricity or an amp or an electric guitar. And I was like, guess what I'm going to play now. That's why I'm so loud, you know, and <laughs> I didn't really get to hang out with other people when I was a kid, because we were kind of just in the woods, you know, not a lot of friends. We never really went to town. I didn't go to movies. I didn't go on dates, you know, until I was later in life, like late teens. So I think, you know, that, you know, not getting to see humanity in person and not hanging out with other humans made me want to go do the opposite. And I was supposed to have short hair when I was a kid. So now I've grown my hair out, my beard, I travel, I kick it with people <laughs> all the time. And I just like meeting people very different from me. And, you know, you'd think someone, oh, if you grew up in the woods, you must be this way or that way. And it's like, no, I, I, I rebelled against all of that. Not that I don't love the woods, but I want to see the world. I want to meet humanity. I want to see people different than me and see how they eat, breathe and sleep. And just, you know, humanity is just a, a awesome to me. You know, kind of coming back into society, I guess. And I don't mean to like, you know. I'm not trying to add a narrative that ain't here. So if I screw something up or say something, that's not really how it was. Just let me know. You know, I'm getting to know you with my audience, but coming back into, I guess, civilization, people, you know, big crowds of people, big cities, do you feel like you've learned something about humanity, about America that maybe most people take for granted or never see? Um, I think, I think so. I don't know how to, so much put that in words, but I mean, I left Montana and I moved to Hollywood, California and live right off of Hollywood Boulevard. And that was my first experience with, you know, a large population of, of people. And it was my first experience with a microwave and a dryer. <laughs> and my roommates were like, bro, are you a caveman? Cause I'd never had a microwave in my life. And people don't think about that. It takes uh, like 220 to run a dryer and stuff like that. So those are things even when we had a generator that we didn't have was dryer and a microwave. And so like, I'd always put forks in there. So to this day, my wife will not have me heat up kids food in the microwave because at 36 years old, I still get defeated by it on a regular. <laughs> it's strange witchcraft you city people use. 
That's so funny. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. I did not know there were microwaves with like different settings. Like you could hit a button just for popcorn. Like that blew my mind when I first bought a real microwave. Um, so I, I kind of get it a little bit. I, I think that maybe that's the man in you as much as it is the the off the grid. Maybe we just right. are clumsy and don't know how to use appliances very well anyway. We know how to fix them, but we don't know how to use them. Maybe I don't know. Right. <laughs> So we're going to take a break real quick. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk more about your music because that's kind of your bread and butter. Yep. You got it. All right. So we're back with, uh, with Mr. Tim Montana from Montana. And when we talk about your music career, um, you got started in music. Like you said, you weren't around a lot of people kind of music was a, was a way for you to get out, I guess, of the, of the woods, as you would say, or the forest and go into the world. But you met David Letterman and you met him back in Montana. Is that right? Yeah, that was my first big break. I'm looking at a tour poster right now in my rehearsal space uh, office that uh, says Tim Montana coming home tour. And I was 21 or 22 and I had three shows and I acted like I had a world tour. Those three (laughs) shows, two of those were in Butte, Montana, and one of those was in Shoto, Montana. And so I'm like, we're going on tour. So I put together this ragtag group of musicians and we got in an old beat up Chevy van and we showed up in Montana and we played these shows. And I remember someone saying, you know, Dave Letterman lives near Shoto, Montana. And I thought to myself, and I think I said, I was like, man, I'll bet he shows up and I'll bet he loves us and we could get on the late show. And <laughs> it literally happened almost exactly like that. He showed up, he had his, uh, his fiance with him had a couple friends. I had my daughter who was like six months old at the time. And uh, he came up, started talking to us. He was very interested in the off the grid livings. My mom, you know, you won't talk to me for five seconds until she goes, Oh, Timmy grew up off the grid. Did you know that with her beauty accent? <laughs> and so of course he was very intrigued by that. Loved the family thing and was playing with my daughter and just being really cool. And then sure sure enough, like two weeks later, I get a call. Hey, Dave wants you on the light show. wants you to be his personal guest. So not only did he invite us, he flew us up. We had a van that said Tim Montana on the front, CBS. And I was like, this is insane. <laughs> and uh, we played the light show. And uh, I was convinced that I was going to come home and my phone was going to blow up with agency offers, record deal offers. I'm like, this is it. And my wife and I you know, had no money at the time. Went out and splurged and bought steaks because we're like, all right, the calm before the storm. And the storm never came afterwards. I don't know if it was – you know, the performance, I still look back. It was a good performance, but it's like we didn't have management. We didn't have a booking deal. But it was a really cool moment because he gave me that first taste of, you know, a big stage, like what, you know, playing a song for that many people. And it's like that's something I think that really helped early on, even though I didn't spark and blow up and become a superstar overnight. I chased that feeling to this day, you know, like, wow, like started my career backwards, but I've been chasing that buzz ever since. Well, I, I know I got a buddy in music uh, who moved to Nashville, chased it for like seven years. Finally, it was like, you know what? This isn't working out. Came back home, had some things happen, wrote an album, and it blew up, and, and he got signed. And so it's kind of that same thing. It's like you came back home at 21, but sometimes you got to move around a little bit and like take the yeah. second and third and fourth chance that comes along. Yeah, and there's been so many different opportunities that I think just some people are like, that know my story like how in the heck did that happen how in the heck did this happen so, so i just kind of wait for doors to open and i walk through them full speed <laughs> <laughs> here we go 
So I guess from Montana to Hollywood is culture shock, but what was it like from Hollywood to Nashville? Did you feel more at home in Nashville? Is, is that where the music really took off for you or how'd that work out? Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood to Nashville, you know, LA was weird. It was not, I knew that wasn't my jam. Um, and so going to Nashville is kind of that mix between city life and you can drive five minutes and be in the woods with, you know, people that had Southern accents it was strange to me. I, you know, I've, I've been locked in the woods my whole life, so I didn't know nothing but a good old fashioned Butte Montana accent, but I'd like that, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a better thing for me. I could go hunting and all that stuff and, uh, and just kind of fell into this country scene, even though I've always been a country rock guy, um, but the musicians here. And so, yeah, so it wasn't, it was, it was a nice adjustment. It was a nice kind of in between LA did we freeze in between LA and in between um, Montana? It's like a mix of that, you know? Well, here you are, you, you've worked with and performed with and traveled with Kid Rock and um, ZZ Top and you're, you're kind of just killing it with music. And now you're, you know, you're doing more than that. You're, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know how you um, absorb this term, but you're basically an influencer. Like you, show people what you're up to and what you enjoy doing and because you're charismatic and authentic and genuine and honest and fun they're like you know what i want to go do that too and so tell me about some of that like what are you into what what outside of music are you doing that that's really getting people excited yeah that whole influencer game ambassador game i didn't even know was a thing until you know i through Montana, I met the Nitro Circus guys. I met Street Bike Tommy and Travis Pastrana. And Street Bike Tommy said, dude, I work with this grill company. This is five or six years ago. Let me send you one of these triggers. And I was like, okay, cool. So I started cooking on this grill. And they're like, and I, I couldn't believe they sent me a grill that expensive for free. I was just blown away. <laughs> I was like, wow, that cost more than my first car. And uh, so, of course, <laughs> I'm making videos, posting them. And then, you know, just segued into a paid thing, you know, and, and, I didn't know that was a thing, nor did I know that that would make my career sustainable for the next five or six years. I mean, that literally paid that and other deals that came in through Black Rifle and Snap-on Tools and, you know, Indian Motorcycles and Polaris and these huge brands, you know. And I, I'm not a guy with, like, millions of followers, which still kind of baffles me. But I think, A, I have, like you said, I have an organic and natural way of doing it um, that works, and also some of the people that I influence and that I have ends with are, you know, some people that do have millions and millions of followers that kind of look at what I do as a tastemaker. And it's kind of been a, a weird thing. I haven't questioned it. I've just rolled with it, but it has to be authentic and it has to be me. So if it's, if it goes fast and it has a motor, I'm in, if it cooks meat, I'm in, you know, I probably couldn't do a tooth whitening company. I mean, you can, you can't pay me to not be me, but I'm really good at just being me, love it or hate it. Some days my wife uh, would be on the latter side of that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been that whole world. I mean, it's been incredible and just being able to grow the following and grow my brand. And sometimes people that follow me don't know I play music in my record label. Now it's like, Hey, can you remind them you have an album out? I'm like, ah, long <laughs> shot. That's right. <laughs> What's your favorite thing to cook on the Traeger or give us a secret? Like what's it, what's some secret sauce, a, a recipe, hook us up with something. Man, I like cooking some deer backstraps or elk backstraps and like a coffee rub. And I cook it like roast style. I'll take a big chunk of that, of that backstrap and rub that in coffee and let that kind of smoke and slowly cook and then man make some gravy put it over some rice and slice that backstrap good god almighty 
it is the best thing you've ever had. Um, that's one of my favorites. What kind of coffee? Like, I mean, I, I would imagine black rifle coffee, but like what blend or like you I mean? Right. So I've, I've made my I've made my own, but honest to God, Traeger's rubs, and I'm not saying this because they pay me to, but <laughs> their freaking rubs are I, I they're not over salty. Some rubs I try are so salty that you've got to use it sparingly. And uh, with Traeger's rubs, they don't over salt them. So I see these guys, and maybe it's because they send us all this rub. People look at me funny, like that's six ninety nine a can, and I'm dumping a whole can on it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, their rubs are great. So I use their coffee rub, and I've made my own coffee rub with Black Rifle, which is fantastic as well. Um, but they got some secret, something secret going on in that coffee rub. And they won't tell me about it, but it's fantastic. So are you, you do some hunting and fishing still, or are you just so busy you don't have time for it? Yeah, and the bummer is I got my first Montana elk tag this year since I was 18 years old, wow. and it's sitting in my wallet right now. And because we're going on the ZZ Top tour, I don't think there's a window to go home and hunt. And I'm like, whoa, oh my whoa, god, whoa. No, yeah. no, listen, you. I mean, you got no. You have to figure this out. You cannot right. let that tag just sit. Number one, if you've got a second ID, I can grow a beard out, and I will there go to Montana for <laughs> Halloween. And kill us an elk. How about that? Yeah, if anyone listening has a private airplane, I'm going to need it at an airstrip uh, somewhere on the ZZ Top tour. <laughs> Some bearded <laughs> gentlemen need to go shoot an elk. And he's going to take his crippled buddy with him. Uh, That's right. And so, That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I do hope – you're going to have to check back in with me, either through social media or come back on the podcast and let me know that you did find a way to go harvest that elk because that's a big deal. That's not an easy tag to get, is it? No, they, they changed the state laws, which I thought was really cool of them to do. If you're born and raised there, if you have property there, or if you have, you know, but you have to be born there. And if you can prove all that and you still have family there, which I have a ton, all my family's there, then you get first pull on elk tags over out of staters, which I'm like, that's pretty cool. You let the guys that grew up there were born there, you know, uh, hunt there first. So. No, that's you. Then, then I pull a tag and don't use it. You're like, yeah, yeah, really yeah. Nice job, you jerk. <laughs> Well, that is cool because most states it's the opposite because it's the export factor, right? right? They want they want out of staters to come in and spend money, which that makes sense. That's what pays for habitat. But that's really cool that they've done that. And here you are not taking advantage of it. I know. You know work got in the way of it, man. <laughs> you work too much. That's what it is. Well, I think you know what yeah. I think I think the I think the band will understand. You guys are just gonna have to come up with a stop in Billings or or maybe even Bozeman or somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah, but the tour is going to be good, and then Billy and I have our sauce company that's rocking and rolling right now. Um, we're getting into some major retail stuff with our Whisker Bomb products. So me and B Billy came into my life in 2013. It's just kind of been that father figure I never had, and just a great guy and a collaborator. And and uh, he's moving down the street in Nashville, so I'm going to get to see more of him. That's awesome. You're talking about Billy, um, Billy Gibbons. Yeah, Billy, Billy Gibbons, Gibbons from ZZ Top. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, well, man, I'll tell you what, it's been a fun conversation. I think the audience knows a lot more about you. They probably know why people talk so well about you now because you're fun to talk to and you got a big heart and you, you do good things for good people. Um, I learned today we have another, another group of friends in common with Travis and them uh, another amazing energetic guy. I, if we put you and Travis Pastrana in the same room, it's like in movies, like when the light bulbs glow, it's like the, the energy coming out of you guys would probably like bust the light bulbs. I mean, like that's just a lot of like, you know, you guys right. just kind of sit on idle and you're just waiting to go do something. And uh, 
And so you that, should, he made the shoot last year. Uh, the original, the first annual American thread shoot, Pastrana came and him and I got on stage afterwards after hitting the bar. And oh my God, we were like, okay, guys, you need to calm her down a notch. <laughs> <laughs> Things, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and what happens at the American thread shoot must need to stay at the American thread shoot, right. too, I guess. Or put it on five. <laughs> Yeah, or we'll put it on Fox. But, uh, well, man, thanks for coming on. Thanks for all you're doing. Give you this last chance to just tell folks how they can keep up with you, how to, you know, if you want to activate them for what you got going on or a good cause, just kind of let folks know how to to get involved with Tim Montana. Yeah, just pretty much at Tim Montana on any of them social handles. I pay good money to get those from random other Tim Montanas, so it's worth it to check it out. And uh, TimMontana.com, got a new record out, Long Shots. Check out Whisker Bomb Products, Big Sky Cigars. Let's go, baby. Come on. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, brother. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. Tim Montana is the American story. From living without electricity to using social media, music, and technology to influence and connect Americans coast to coast. He embodies what it means to work hard, play hard, and be a proud American. Thanks, Tim, and keep on rocking, brother. To hear more stories like this, visit foxnewspodcast.com and be sure to check back next week for a brand new Proud American Story. I'm Johnny Joey Jones, and thank you all for listening.